Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Hey, welcome to episode 23 of On The Way. This is the third episode in the book of Luke. Today we're going to do the first part of Luke chapter 3. Today we're talking about John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And I want you to notice how Luke introduces John. Remember, Luke is a historian. He's going to give us the facts. He's going to Theophilus to give him all the information that he needs so that Theophilus knows that Luke did his research. In a way, Luke is asking us to fact check him. In Luke 3, Luke says, It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Now let me stop here and say, if you're making up a story, it's fictional writing 101 that you don't give specifics because it's too easy to fact check and debunk the story. But he gets really detailed. He's saying it happened in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar's reign. That's Caesar Augustus's adopted son. This is a real documented Caesar of Rome. And then he goes on. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Triconitus. Licinius was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. I don't even know who some of these people are. This is not just some general once upon a time statement. This is not some fairy tale. He's not even just giving us a general idea of when this happened. He's giving us the historical data that we need to be very clear in our understanding. In a way, Luke is saying, fact check me. If you think I'm making all this up, go check it out. This is documented history. We do this today. We say, Google it. If we were saying something that seems a little bit far, far-fetched, but we know that it's true, we say, Google it. Go see for yourself. This is what Luke is doing. I'll tell you exactly when and where it happened, and that's dangerous. Historians and archaeologists are constantly finding new information and evidence. They're constantly uncovering more and more about actually what happened in history. And guess what? No piece of historical evidence, no archaeological discovery has ever discovered one word of Luke's gospel to be untrue. In fact, not a single word in all of scripture has ever been disproved, and that's because it's true. Archaeological evidence and historical evidence keep proving it true. Luke started his book with a detailed description of where and when these things were happening because they happened. It reads like a history book because it is a history book. Luke 3.2 says, At this time a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Notice that Luke has to clarify which John it is. Why? Because in this time in history, there are Johns everywhere. Everyone is named John. If you were making up a story, don't you think you'd pick a different name? Yeah, you you wouldn't want to have to clarify all the time. You'd want to make a story that people could remember. But he didn't make it up, so he had to clarify which John it is because it's a true story. And we're glad that he did because now we can cross-reference with other history books and know exactly who he's talking about. Did you know that there are books outside the Bible that talk about John the Baptizer? 
In 90 AD, the historian Josephus, not a follower of Christ, wrote this. Now some of the Jews thought that the destruction of Herod's army had come from God as a just punishment of what Herod had done against John, who was called the Baptist. For Herod had killed this good man who had commanded the Jews to exercise virtue, righteousness toward one another, and piety toward God. Luke's talking about a real historical figure that other historians wrote about. And why did they write about John? Because he was an important figure in the period of Jewish history that we're talking about. You'll see later that even the rulers of, of this time were very concerned with what John was doing. Because John had a ton of influence. He had thousands of followers. And when he talked, people listened. The book of Matthew tells us that all of Judea came to hear John preach. Matthew 3, 5. But this has to be hyperbole, right? I mean, that would be millions of people. All of Judea? So let's say, okay, it was 10% of Judea. That's still hundreds of thousands of people who came to hear John preach. In fact, John had so many followers that many of them kept following him even after he told his followers to start following Jesus instead of him. To this day, there are Gnostic religions that have chosen to continue to follow John the Baptist rather than Jesus. Have you ever wondered how Jesus went from being a nobody to being a famous teacher so quickly? One day he's all alone in the wilderness, and the next day he's constantly surrounded by huge crowds of people. It's largely because of John. When John baptized Jesus, he passed the torch. And most of John's followers became Jesus' followers. So let's go back to Luke's introduction of John. Verse 3. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And this is why the Jews hated John. The Jews had developed their own way for people to be forgiven, and John had nothing to do with it. So they were getting all upset about John's preaching, so the religious leaders traveled for over a day to come hear John preach. And when they got there, here's how John welcomed them. John 3, 7 through 9. You brood of snakes. And I wonder why the religious leaders hated John. He said, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. You know, it's kind of fun to hear John calling the religious leaders snakes, but I think he'd say the same thing to us. You think you're safe because you call yourself a Christian, but God can make Christians out of the rocks. What is your faith producing? Is it changing you? Is it maturing you? Are you becoming more generous? Are you becoming more selfless? Or are you still a consumer? I think I'll go to this church because it makes me feel good. I'll listen to that preacher until he makes me feel uncomfortable or until he says something I disagree with. I'll call myself a Christian, but I'm not going to tithe, or I'm not going to do the things that Jesus told me that I have to do. To that, John says, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Every fruit tree that doesn't produce fruit is revealing that it's not really a fruit tree. 
all those religious leaders who claim to follow God will eventually shout, crucify him, because they're not really following God. They're in it for themselves. They're blasphemers. They're using the Lord's name in vain for selfish gain. And apparently they got the message because they asked the right question. What did they say to John? They said, the crowds asked, what should we do? And John went on to preach to them about loving each other. He told them to be generous, to sacrifice. Don't accumulate all you can, he says. Give more than you keep. They ask what they should do, and he tells them to be generous. And they were amazed by his teaching. They were so amazed that they started to ask if he was the Messiah. Anyone who talks like this must be the Messiah, right? And they weren't too far off. They were amazed by his teaching, but they were only seeing a shadow of what was coming. They were getting a glimpse of the teacher that was right around the corner. John said, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that that I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's what John was created to do. He was stepping into his purpose. John pointed people to the coming of the Messiah. And not long after that, he introduced them to Jesus, his cousin. We're going to pick up right there next week. We're going to talk about the symbolism of baptism and the incredible baptism of Jesus. Okay, that's the first part of Luke chapter 3. Next week, we're going to talk about baptism. I hope you'll join us. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some st- the discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person that he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On the Way. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, what does Luke's specificity about the time and place of the events tell us about the reliability of his report? Number two, why was John a threat to the rulers of his time? And why was his life more documented than their lives? Number three, John the Baptist's followers became Jesus's followers. Why were they so willing to switch leaders? Number four, the people who were convinced by John's teaching asked him, What should we do? If you asked that same question to God today, what would he say? Number five, John told his followers they should repent of their sins and love people. How was that different than the plan of salvation the Jewish religious leaders taught? 